Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Foul Play. This series is called My Aunt and the Hitman. I'm your host, Wendy C., and this is episode 7, The Extradition. So to recap, George is in prison, we have buried Sharon, and the police are hot on the trail of crime. I want to take you back to Sharon's will. George inherited everything. That was, until he was convicted of murdering Sharon. Unable to benefit from the crime, the will became void, and Sharon's mum, my nan, being her next of kin, inherited everything instead. And this is how my nan ended up owning half a house with the man that had murdered her daughter. A legal battle that was to carry on for another six years. I'd like to share with you a letter that we received via our solicitors from George, dated the 13th of April 2010, sent from Her Majesty's Prison, Highdown. Dear Sir, Re Sharon Birchwood, I have received communication from yourselves via the Ministry of Justice. After consulting my lawyers, I will reply to you stating the facts. I was not convicted of murder on the 9th of June 2010. The person the CPS say carried this out has not yet been tried. He will be at the Old Bailey from the 5th of July 2010. When he proves his innocence, seven witnesses and rigor evidence prove he was out of the country at the time of death. Justice will prevail. My family are paying for proper lawyers and a QC, not a duty solicitor who did not even use a barrister. I have an appeal and hope to appear at the Old Bailey with Mr. Crine. I am very disappointed with Sharon's family. They know I would never hurt Sharon. The person you are dealing with is only interested in money, not the truth. As a side note, the person being referred to here is my dad, Sharon's brother. You can pass this on to him if you wish. I shall be out before the end of the year and this is the time for me to address my affairs. My family are paying all the bills for this property. Maybe they wish to contribute. Please wait until the true perpetrator is charged. I believe I know who. If you require further information, please do not hesitate to contact me. Yours faithfully, G. Birchwood. Even after being convicted and sentenced to 32 years in prison, George still protested his innocence. He convinced himself that us, Sharon's family, were just after the money, which couldn't have been further from the truth. My nan would have given up everything she had to have even one more minute with her daughter. Money meant nothing to her, but jointly owning a house with her daughter's murderer, that was a different story. Can you imagine? It's such a crazy situation to end up in. It's time to get back to the police investigation. They and we were all elated about George's conviction, but of course that was not the end of the case. There was still crime. 
And he was still in Thailand. The police had a lot of red tape to negotiate to get crime back to the UK. DCI Woodall picks up the story from here. When we had the extradition order, the Thai authorities put him into prison in Thailand to ensure that he didn't try and leave the country, which would have made things quite difficult for us. So yes, he was put into prison in Thailand for us to collect him on extradition. We travelled to Thailand at the point that we needed to extradite Paul, and we had a huge amount of support from the Thai authorities and the Thai police, because they actually escorted Paul to the airport whereby we arrested him and brought him back to the UK. I took a team with me when we extradited Paul Crime back to the UK. I went with one of my sergeants who was on the investigation, Simon Cork, and obviously Roger Deacon, who was one of the interviewers involved with George Birchwood. So we went as a small team to extradite him back to the UK. When you extradite somebody, when they arrive back in the UK, you can't interview them. So you can never put the evidence you have to them and you just have to wait for the trial. And then they can choose or not to give evidence in court. So we, when we got back to the United Kingdom, we asked Paul if he wanted to be interviewed and he said no. So we went to the court case not knowing what Paul was likely to say as evidence. And as Paul arrived at Heathrow, a further DNA sample was taken by the police. When Paul landed back in the United Kingdom and he was booked into custody at Heathrow Airport, we took a further sample and that was the sample that would be used as evidence to then compare rather than the covert sample that we'd collected in Pattaya. DS Deacon describes what he remembers about bringing crime back from Thailand. We brought him back from... Thailand, I sat next to him handcuffed on the plane for a while. He was just like a normal bloke, just chatting, and then he went to sleep. And I didn't have anything to do with him. So I didn't really feel anything for him, if that makes sense, even though he was the actual person who killed Sharon. So, Crine was extradited from Thailand to the United Kingdom, where he was held in custody awaiting trial. In the meantime, George was continuing to protest his innocence. Crine's trial was held in 2010 at the Old Bailey in London. My Aunt Lauren was called to give evidence in the trial. I didn't, I'd asked them specifically. I said, I do not want to see this man. I don't need to see him. And I don't know how they did it. There wasn't a screen or anything. And when I had to give evidence with him, I think I was only probably in the stand five, ten minutes at the most. And I didn't see him, so I had no idea what he looked like. I asked Lauren if she remembers if Crine had given any defence. I really have no memory of it at all, to be honest. I really didn't want to be there at all, so, yeah, I didn't. It wasn't a big deal of any sort. DS Cork told me what he remembered about Crine's trial. Yes, Paul Crine's trial came probably a year after George's. His defence switched, really. He had three or four different defences during the the course of the trial. He kept raising new defences. One of his defences was that it was in fact Catherine Kang, George's second wife, that he'd been paid to kill. And a key was actually found to her property, in Paul Crine's property. It was a, a very strange twist. And he seemed to suggest that you know, it was just coincidence that Sharon had been killed and that that wasn't the person that, that he was sent to kill. And DCI Woodall tells us her memories of the trial. When Paul Crine went to court, he did give evidence. And initially, he 
gave a straight denial that he had nothing to do with the murder. And then he asked to go back into the box after giving evidence in chief the following day. And then he explained that he was asked by George to kill George's current wife. And then he explained how he was going to kill George's current wife. He said that he was going to let himself into the house and he was going to lie in wait until she came home. And then he was going to snap her neck. And when we extradited Paul from Thailand, there was a front door key in his wallet. That front door key, initially, I considered maybe to be the missing spare key from Harriet's Lane. So we checked that key in the door locks for Harriet's Lane and it didn't fit. But when we checked it in the door lock for George's current wife's house, it did open the door. So just to be clear, in case you didn't quite get that, in trying to clear his name as the hitman for the murder of Sharon, Crine's defence was that George had paid him to kill his wife, just not that wife. Yes, his defence was that he was a hitman, but not for that murder. This just seems crazy, so I asked Maria why someone would plead that as a defence, and she was as baffled as me. Your guess is as good as mine. And what he was saying was that he had no intention and did not kill Sharon because the plan was for him to kill the current wife, not the ex-wife. On the 10th of August 2010, the jurors had reached a verdict. It took them just four and a half hours of deliberations and it was unanimous. All 12 jurors agreed. Crine was found guilty of the murder of my aunt, Sharon Birchwood. Crime was to serve a minimum of 28 years and six months behind bars. His sentence was reduced slightly from 32 years due to already spending some time in a Thai prison, which the judge acknowledged was a lot harsher than prison in the United Kingdom. Judge Jeremy Roberts QC said, It was a contract killing carried out for financial gain. It was a carefully planned execution. The victim... Sharon Birchwood was a vulnerable lady who was devoted to George and she worshipped him despite his callous behaviour. George repaid her trust by paying for her to be murdered by you. Sharon was murdered in a particularly unpleasant and personal way, in what should have been the safety and security of her own home. You had either crept into her home or lain in wait for her in the house. One can only imagine the mental and physical suffering she must have undergone in the last few moments of her life. Judge Jeremy Roberts also went on to say that he believed crime was lucky to be acquitted of the 2003 murder of Henry in Thailand, despite strong circumstantial evidence. As crime was led down to the cells, he told the jury he was an innocent man. For us, the sad thing is that had crime not been acquitted of the murder in Thailand... Maybe, just maybe, Sharon would still be alive today. And so that was it. Sharon was dead. George was in prison for 32 years with no parole. Crine was in prison for a minimum of 28 and a half years. It's time for the detectives to tell us their worries and thoughts on the verdicts. We'll start with DC Deacon. In our ongoing journey, dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, 
but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think that the worry for me and the others was going to Thailand and bringing crime back. That was like a worry that something wasn't going to go, it was going to go terribly wrong for whatever reason, technical reason, an error in clerical side of it. I, I, didn't, I didn't know, but that was a worry. But we knew that we didn't have to do anything with crime because, because the evidence was there. That's why we got the warrant for him. So he'd come straight from Thailand, he'd come straight off the plane, straight in front of a magistrate, no need for a trial, remanded in custody, you know, that's it. We were George, as far as the team was concerned, there was no worries, it was just the complexity of it all. If it put in front of a jury, for them to listen and go through all the telephone work that we were doing, all the CCTV, the interviews, like I've explained to you, the sig- significant witness interview, then a defendant. Yeah, that, that was a worry that, that would be complicated, but and putting a file together and putting it to the CPS and putting it as a prosecution. I think we were all a bit 
Like any any case you, you bring to court, especially a complex case like this, you do get a bit jittery. But I think most most were confident that we'd we'd get a conviction, and we did. Yeah, George got thirty. He got life in prison thirty-two years. At that time, thirty-two years was one of the highest ones that Surrey Police had had of a conviction for a life imprisonment, which I thought was pretty good. And obviously, crying got his got his eventually. I asked my aunt Lauren if she was pleased with the way that the police handled the case, and I think she summed it up perfectly for the whole family. I can't praise them up enough. They were amazing. The whole team that was involved in the case were just incredible. If anybody ever asked me about the police, I say, well, my experience is that they were absolutely fantastic, and without them, we wouldn't have got the conviction and we wouldn't have had them both banged up because it wasn't easy. It was a very complex, difficult case to, to crack. And the amount of man hours must have been incredible that was needed to sort through everything. I mean, it, was, it just felt like it was going on forever and ever. And I felt for them when, well, just going through all that paperwork was a complete nightmare for them. I don't know how they, how you work out what's relevant and what isn't when there is just paper everywhere like that. The detectives who worked on Sharon's case were amazing. And I wanted to give them an opportunity to tell us their thoughts as we wrap up. Firstly, DC Deacon. I asked him if he thought justice had been done. Justice, yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And if he thought us, the family, would get closure after the trials. Originally, I was thinking that maybe the family wouldn't get closure um, because... George was, it's a horrible thing to say, was alive. You know, he's got the best of the world. Sharon's gone. He's just going to spend the rest of his life in prison. OK, but he's alive. Um, but I think that the, the, the family, again, this is personal feelings. I think that um, the family feel they got justice with the work that we did, that we put them away. And we, there's nobody else is going to suffer now. They, they, they know Sharon's at peace because everything has been sorted. And what were the key decisions that became crucial to this case? I think the SIOs made some, some great decisions in relation to like, the, the forensic in Thailand. I think that was a good, good call to get it 100%. I think allowing the natural course of George being a significant witness, going through the painstaking questions and answers and interviews and all the things that we did. Surveillance techniques that were made were great decisions and eventually letting us step over that line and making that decision to arrest George when it all came together. And I think there were some great decisions made by all the bosses involved. Some of them, you know, are questionable from from a team's point of view because obviously there always is when the governor makes a decision. But 99.9% they were bang on. And I say a lot, a lot of hard work went in, was put in by all the team. There's people in the background that people don't even talk about, like the people who did all the, the telephone work, you know, the intelligence background that was done on Crime and, and, and George. There was, there's, there was so much going on that to try and be a, an SIO and see a complete overhaul of everything that's going on and, and sit down, it must be an absolute nightmare for her or for them to go, right, we've got prioritise this and prioritise that. So as an SIO, you've got respect for, for Maria especially. I also asked DC Deacon to describe George in just a few words. After all, he had spent many, many hours 
shut in a small room with him over many weeks. A very evil man. Very evil man. He may not look it. If you saw him in real life and with him, you'd think, oh, just, uh, you saw him walking down the street, you wouldn't think anything of him, but he was a very evil, calculated man. He knew exactly what he was doing all the way through. He tried to play the police and he thought he committed a, a perfect murder. I know it's an old cliche and it's seen on television loads of times, but he, I really think that that's what he thought, but he didn't realise that the Surrey police were on him from the day one. I asked DC Deacon to describe Sharon. From what I've, what, the information that I got and with the family and things, a very kind, caring, loving person, very vulnerable, and I think she was taken advantage of in, in various ways by George, but a very kind and caring person. And finally... Justice has been done, George and Paul Crime got convicted, rightly. There's no, there's no questions, there's no mistakes, there's no appeals, nothing like that. We've done a good job, everybody was happy, and we just moved on, horrible thing to say, moved on to the next one. It was a cracking job. It certainly was a cracking job. Thank you for all your hard work in helping to solve my aunt's murder, DC Roger Deacon. Next, I asked DS Cork if he thought justice had been done in this case. I think there was justice for the family. When it came to the trial, there was a lot of relief. I think it just gives the family some closure that they know that the man that actually did the deed has been convicted, not just George, but the person that actually committed the act. And does DS Cork think we, the family, got closure? I think, yeah, I think there is closure for the family. You know, I hope they feel that there was a, a thorough investigation and that it was a, a satisfactory con- conclusion for them. DS Cork went on to tell me what he thought were the key decisions that were crucial to the outcome of the case. I think the way that George was interviewed initially to gain his confidence, to get him to give us a good deal of information, which then gave us Paul Crone's name. We managed to obtain his phone number do telephone work, I think that was critical, along obviously with the the forensic work, the DNA that was recovered. As in a lot of murders, it's a combination of things, you know, it's lots of little bits, it's all the circumstantial evidence that, that builds up to give you a watertight case in the end. Thank you, DS Simon Cork, another key member of the team that helped to solve the murder of my aunt. And finally, DCI Woodall, who led this intense, complicated, time-consuming investigation. I absolutely feel there was justice in this case, yes, I do. Sharon was a vulnerable woman, and George took advantage of her, and that's why I think the sentence was justified. And I asked DCI Woodall if she thought that, as a family, we got closure. I don't know whether there will ever be closure with this case because when we explained to Sharon's family that she had been found dead, they never in a million years thought that she'd actually been murdered. I mean, their thoughts were very much so, who would want to murder Sharon? I think it was very difficult for them as well that the person we ultimately convicted was George, who had been Sharon's husband and Sharon's friend for many years. And the key decisions that DCI Woodall thought were crucial to the outcome of the case. I think the the very early decisions in making sure that we secured the correct forensic items, that we did the thorough house-to-house, our lines of inquiry around eliminating everybody that had been in that house within a week before Sharon had died, 
those very early decisions played out extremely well when we eventually identified Paul and then were able to move on those lines of inquiry. And finally, DCI Woodall had the following to say. I was privileged to work on this case because I was the senior investigating officer called on day one. So it meant that I held this case from beginning to end. And that always makes for uh, an investigation that you don't ever lose any information. Because often with cases that run for this long, and this one was up to two years, you may have a change in staff. And that means that sometimes information can get lost. But this one was from the beginning to the end, and I held it all the way through. Thank you so much to DCI Maria Woodall and the rest of the team that worked on the case of the murder of my aunt, Sharon Birchwood. You all did an amazing job. And in DC Deacon's own words, you all did a cracking job. While the convictions were a huge relief to us all, you never get closure. Life is never the same again. There is always this dark cloud hanging there. That person will never come back. You will never again see their beaming smile. You will never again hear their booming laughter. And you will never again send them a birthday or Christmas card. That's it. It's finite. It's the end. Thank you for listening to episode 7 of My Aunt and the Hitman. The next episode is the final episode of this season of Foul Play, where I will tell you what happened next. We have an expert analysis of the 999 call, and I will be questioning the motive for Sharon's murder. She had an issue with him earlier in the year. She'd found something in the February of that year that she really didn't like, and she needed to confront him. And she confronted him twice and she still wasn't happy. So I have no idea what it was because she wouldn't tell me. And nothing was ever found about what it was. This podcast was written and produced by me, Wendy C. It was edited by the amazing team at Foul Play and Arclight Media. Any profits made from this podcast will go to Friends of the Earth and Refuge, both charities that were close to my aunt Sharon's heart. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.